Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, guys, we're back with another episode of Talking Preps. We got a new face this week. We got uh, Jerron Gustin of Hopewell High School in the building. How you doing, Coach? I'm doing well. How about you guys? All right. Grice said you're volunteering for this, this torture. Uh, definitely, definitely. Uh, he mentioned it to me and I told him I was definitely interested and, uh, so, uh, we'll see how it goes. All right. Grice told me you are a star, so you got to talk a lot. Don't be bashful. Let your personality shine. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Here we go. Uh, I ask questions, you guys give answers. Uh, we're going to start out with Rick. Rick, do you do you think high school kids really need to leave home in their home schools to make it? Well, before we get before we get started on that, I want to say a special congratulations to your son Trey for scoring his one thousand career point at, in college. Um, what an honor. You know, it, it's difficult to score a thousand career points at the high school level, but for him to score it at the level he's doing at Notre Dame at Santa Clara, it speaks volume. Well, I appreciate that, Coach. I was, I was very pleased. I was pleased as punch watching uh, the big gremlin do that yesterday. Well, I've always been a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But anyway, um, to answer your question, I, I think it's sort of the opposite. I, I really don't think that you have to leave in order to make it big. And, um, just to dovetail on that, if you look at what people consider making it big, whether it's going to the collegiate level or most people, you know, making it to the NBA level, um, let's just look at some statistics that makes it validate what we're saying that you don't have to leave to, to make it big. Um, you know, back in 2016, we had Brandon Ingram at, at Kinston high school played there all four years, one state championship. And, um, you know, to make a long story short, you know, I went to Duke, but he was also the number two draft choice by the um, Los Angeles Lakers. So there's a good case in point. And then if you look at just last year, um, Trey Murphy from Cary Academy um, went on to play at um, um, Rice and then at UVA, was selected number 17. And then you had Dayron Sharp, who was at South Central all four years, won a state championship, was selected number 29 in the NBA. Um, and more importantly, if you go through the Charlotte area um, back in 2020, um, Patrick Williams, who played all four years at West Charlotte, was the number four pick in the um, NBA lottery pick and went to the Chicago Bulls. Um, some other guys that, you know, from the area um, down in South Carolina, we had Aaron Neesmith, who was at Portugal all four years. He was selected number 14. And, you know, the best draft from this area goes to 2019. And the number one pick was Zion Williamson, went all four years to Providence, uh, excuse me, Spartanburg Day. Um, number two was John Morant, who went to a very small public school at Crestwood in Sumner, South Carolina. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Number seven was Kobe White, um, played at Greenfield. And from the big city of Wilson, he was selected number seventh. And then Grant Williams from Providence Day was 22. And another guy from South Carolina went in the first round that year was Nick Claston, who went to Legacy out of Greenville. So all these guys basically stayed at home and went to the same school for four years. Yeah, that's a lot of guys. Uh, Alex, what do you think? I think this is a farce. This reaffirms all of the piranhas and pariahs percolating in the cesspool of iniquity that is travel basketball. (laughs) Absolutely not. This is ridiculous. And I'm disappointed time and again. And ultimately, I fault parents for this. Why in the world are we looking to rush everything? We want instant gratification faster and faster and faster. Why in the world are we undercutting the formative mission of education-based athletics? If you are that strong of a player, well, first off, you need to be strong academically and character-wise, and the opportunities to manifest those strengths as a citizen within your school and greater communities are heightened by you fulfilling your time in your home situation. Okay. And if those things are in place, if you're that good of a player, you're going to end up where you're supposed to end up. I think the impact is lost in terms of just like Rick did an exceptional job of making a list of student athletes who stayed home mm-hmm. and went on to success. I could make a list of student athletes who left and we're not as successful as that list, that list that Rick made. And you look back and you wonder, you gave up a diploma from insert name school of so, so many fabulous institutions that we could reference. And you gave that up for what in the end? It's a farce. It's a lie being proliferated by piranhas and pariahs percolating in the cesspool of iniquity that is travel basketball. No, no. No. And furthermore, (laughs) I am going to allow, if you think I'm going to allow my, my child, if I had one to forego one final season with someone like Gary Richmond or Jerron Goodson, how stupid do you think I am? All right. Well, it's bigger than the game. Uh, well, I want to hear from Jerron Gissam because he is a travel ball coach for Team United, the Nike-based team out of Charlotte. He's coaching at Hopewell. And, and, and you know, we see guys like, you know, Robert Dillingham, who was playing at Combine Academy here in, in, in basically the Charlotte area, right. and going out to California to play for Kanye West. He's going back to school at NC State. So certainly you would think he could have gone to NC State out of Combine. But, Coach, uh, what are your thoughts here on, on the, the players need to leave home to make it big? Um, well, um, coming from West Charlotte, man, I was I was a part of a, uh, a the development of a guy who uh, Coach Rick had already mentioned uh, that went number four in the draft, uh, in Patrick Williams, a guy that stayed 
And uh, and like Alex said, man, like the, the proof is in the process. So if, if you stay and, and you work, you're going to be found and you're going to make a name for yourself no matter where you are. And um, as as I moved over to Hopewell, um, one of the biggest things was getting our guys to stay in our area, um, whether it be going to another public school or even going to um, the, the multitude of private schools or charter schools that there are in the area. Um, the biggest thing was getting our guys to stay in the area and uh, basically, um, you know, pleading our case or making the case for um, for staying at your home school. And, and this year we do have uh, some guys that came back and they're, they're showing some um, some instant success. Uh, I don't want to say instant success, but they're showing some success by staying in their home school. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, Randall. Oh, I got Randall on mute. Randall, is Duke separating from USC in basketball, particularly as you look at the recruiting coming up? Yes, it's not close. Uh, Duke has the number one recruiting class in the country again coming up this year. You know, they got Derek Whitehead coming in, Kyle, Isaiah. They're going to be loaded. You know, Duke's obviously going to lose a lot with Paolo and, uh, you know, Keith's probably leaving uh, after this, this tournament run. But, you know, they're, they're just reloading right at the top. Uh, with the number one recruiting class, you know, in this year and probably again next year. Uh, I think John Shire has gotten off to a great start, and I think that the way that they are handing off the baton in Durham is wonderful. Gary, this is a tough question for me to ask you about your Tar Heels coming off back-to-back 20-point losses, but what do you think? One is cyclical, okay? We go through these ebbs and flows as to who's the dominant program, Um in the ACC and maybe nationally between the two schools. But how many national recruiting championships has Duke won in the last decade? Every one. And what difference has it made? They got one title out of it. So it's no big deal. Carolina guys are going to stay two or three years. The Duke guys are going to stay one year. And two or three-year guys are going to end up beating the one-year guys just like last year. So, you know, I don't worry about what Duke does. Um, you know, they got, they're going to have to break in a new coach, just like Carolina's breaking in a new coach right now. And once uh, Coach Davis can get his type of players in, um, you know, that that uh, recruiting gap between the two schools will close. And Shire's going to realize it's a big jump, even though it's only 12 inches, from that assistance chair to the head chair. So, I don't even worry about Duke because Duke's won nine recruiting titles in the last 10 years and what they got to show for it. So no, no regular season titles, maybe one tournament title and, and one national title. So, so you, you're more inclined to give Hubert more time. I know a lot of Carolina fans are kind of. You know, oh, definitely. I mean, that's, that's a big jump. Um, and personally at a school like Duke or Carolina, I don't know why. You give them the uh, that type of job as their first head time, first head coach. Uh, um, I totally disagree with it at both schools. Nah. Um, yeah. How and people were going to rationalize. Well, Dean, his first job was Carolina, and Roy's first job was at Kansas, but that's a different time period. Um, Kansas was on probation in Carolina. Yeah, that, I mean, you had, we now you have social media, you got the transfer portal, you got NIL, you got all this different stuff. This is great. This is, 
Hubert Davis being the coach of Carolina is great. I have no idea why you would be upset. <laughs> listen, oh, you, you like it? You no, like it because they're no, 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 right no. Now. It's not even about that. Nobody wants to be the guy behind the guy. I want to be the guy after the guy. This is perfect. It's lining up perfect. You're going to be able to have Hubert Davis be the coach of Carolina for a couple years, and then you can really go get who you wanted to be the coach after Roy when you go get Wes Miller from Cincinnati. <laughs> this, this, this is set up perfectly for y'all. In other I'm not words, even a Carolina fan, and I know that. In other words, Randall said Hubert got hired to be fired. That's yeah, exactly he, what he, got, he got hired to be the fall guy. Okay, but who, who's going to be next in Duke after John Shire? Then? That's that's the problem. We need we listen. We just, I just got to hope he, that Shire does a better job at Duke than than Hubert's doing at Carolina because well, it's definitely going it, to have it, it's, it's, that, that list is mighty thin at Duke after you get past Shire. Yeah, I'm going to change the script a little bit, Chelsea. I'm going to come to you on this one. Is this high school season not as exciting as usual to you as a student? Um, I think personally for me, it you know, I haven't really lost much as far as excitement with high school basketball. But I think talking from an overall, you know, student section, there has been some like tradition lost, you know, from COVID in those seasons. And especially with, you know, even now, like COVID restrictions being lifted, there's some like things that are still forgot about. You know, there's definitely a difference between how many people are, you know, now showing up to games, um, how games are treated, how big of a deal they are to schools. You know, and I think athletics overall, you know, just throughout this whole COVID struggle, they've, you know, definitely been at a loss. Yeah. Rick, your thoughts here. I know this is something you've talked about quite a bit. Yeah, I would agree with Chelsea on that. I think COVID's had a really um, impact on it, especially when you have games and you're, you're you know, planning for a game on Friday night and the game gets canceled the day before. So it's hard to get up for some of these games. But, you know, another thing that's really happened in North Carolina is if you look at, um, you know, especially the point guard position, we've lost a lot of talented players that went outside the state. You know, Robert Dillingham, you know, left, you know, uh, Biscuit, you know, Aiden Holloway, Trey Green, um, those are just a few of them. You know, Caleb Foster left the Jayden Bradley. Pardon me? Jayden Bradley. Yeah. So you've had some of the premier players sort of leave the state. I think if they would have stayed, you would have had a little bit more of excitement um, within the state of North Carolina. Well, I'm hoping that the playoffs are going to rev that up. It looks like I think it. I think I think it's just hard trying to figure out if, 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 from day to day if there's if there's going to be games or not. Well, that's true too. That's 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 very true. And I'm hoping that Omicron lightens up. Although the positivity rate in Mecklenburg County is 39. percent Yeah, and, and one more thing too, um, Langston. I think that um, we haven't had a lot of parity in some yeah. of the conferences. And I think yeah. you know when you have the haves and have-nots, and you know you don't have that sort of in between. I think if we had a little bit more balances between the conferences, you'd have a little more excitement as well. Yeah, okay. Uh, Alex, the NCHSA is going to sign a uh, memorandum of understanding with the state board by March 15th. Uh, what changes do you think that's going to make? And do you think that some people that want to change the NCHSA may not like what comes out of it? Absolutely not. There will be zero changes. The effect of this memorandum of understanding will be nada. Zero, zilch, nothing, nothing yesterday, nothing today, nothing tomorrow, and nothing forever. This memorandum of understanding is absolutely unnecessary. And I'm going to explain. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Explain why. All of this is rooted in people starting to care about something when they are affected by it. And there is a historical precedent for all of these things. Nobody cared about the non-boarding parochial schools in the NCHSAA until Charlotte Catholic won in football. Never mind Catholic had been winning championships in soccer, volleyball, cross-country, swimming and diving, tennis, and many other sports for years. Nobody cared until they won in football because it affected people who spoke out. Nobody cared about Charlie Adams' salary which was the highest among all state governing bodies, chief executives. Granted, he was the longest tenured chief executive in the country and was a National Federation of State High School Association president and was the preeminent leader in his field for many, many years. No one cared about his salary until it came out in a media publication. That information was public information for years, but nobody cared until then. Nobody cared in this latest run that's going on until something happened with a school in a playoff situation and the school itself didn't even appeal it. I say all of those things to make the point that what's the reason nothing is going to change is because there was an opportunity to have ongoing dialogue all the while, years on end, for decades. The NCHSAA endowment always was known. How the NCHSAA was able to generate funds and revenue levels that put it in a position as being the most financially solvent governing body of high school athletics in the country always was known. How the association was able to grow, how the association returned money to its schools through its playoff structures and other revenue sharing means always was known, but people never wanted to engage in dialogue, but everyone's ready to jump and exercise nuclear options when something affects them. So until a commitment is made to have an ongoing multi-party dialogue to foster new innovation and collaboration to address opportunities for the association to grow and tweak some things, which we all agree, there are things that can be tweaked, there are things that can improve, but it still stands that the NCHSAA is the model high school athletics governing body in the United States, and it will continue to thrive accordingly. But but once again, until there is an ongoing multi-party dialogue committed to new learning, two ways, new innovation and collaboration in the pursuit of optimizing service to, as Charlie Adams said, the boys and girls in North Carolina, this memorandum will produce zero change. And that's an interesting point because when Bishop McGinnis was winning all those girls basketball championships in a row, nobody said anything. That's a great point. Correct. Chelsea, as a student, do you guys really think that the association needs changing? No, I think especially with this merge, most students are either you know unaware of it or just indifferent to it. And I think especially for student athletes, you know, as long as right now it doesn't affect, you know, whether we win or lose games, then you know it's not a problem to us. It's not a concern. And I think just what I've noticed, especially talking to like 
you guys versus, you know, people my age or student athletes. You know, it's kind of something that most is just concerned up to the coaches level, like directors, and just kind of love that. Yeah, absolutely. Coach, what's your perspective, you know, as somebody who's in CMS and is, is directly affected by, you know, this, this potential merger? Um, well, I, I don't think, again, I don't think people honestly know that uh, anything is supposed to change. And I don't, I can't foresee anything changing um, to the fact that it would have like an instant effect. Um, but as a coach, again, I think most of the things that we would like to see change um, are at like uh, the county level or the district level and uh, not at the state level. Um, but as, as long as the NCH SAA uh, is in charge, I, I can't see uh, many things changing from the memorandum. Okay, cool. That's a very interesting topic. Uh, but Gary, I want to come back to you. John C. Smith hired Maurice Flowers, a three-time All-American at the school, um, to, to turn the program around. Smith hadn't had a winning season in a decade. I think they've had three in the past 40 years. They've been to one postseason game ever. They went to the Pioneer Bowl, or two maybe. They went to the Pioneer Bowl. They had one postseason win uh, in 2011. And Maurice Flowers was part of that staff. Um, is he the right guy? Can he turn Smith around? He says he wants to hide go out and recruit Charlotte area kids, get kids from winning programs to help Smith win. And that's something Fayetteville State's done successfully. But do you think he can be successful at a place nobody else has been? You know, <clears throat> I have the utmost confidence in Maurice. Uh, have known him since he played high school football here and watched him play uh, John at Johnson C. Smith and then uh, make the rise up the coaching ranks. And he's – He's an excellent candidate. Don't get me wrong. But nothing is going to change at Johnson C. Smith until they put some more money in the program. That's the problem at John C. Smith. They have a worse weight room than most high schools in CMS. They have a smaller weight room than most high schools in CMS. Um, they don't give out a lot of scholarships. Uh, I don't know the exact number, but it's less than 15. Now, how are you going to win a football program with 15 scholarships? It, it just doesn't compute. They don't pay their assistant coaches well. Um, most of them, it's, it's a part-time position. So until Johnson C. Smith is ready to invest in the program financially in terms of scholarships and facilities and paying assistant coaches, then uh, it's going to be a struggle for Maurice. Um, now X and O's and leadership and all that stuff, Maurice got it. You know, that was an excellent choice on the part of Smith. Mm -hmm. Now Smith has got to support him. They got to support him. If they don't support him, he's going to run into the same difficulties all the other coaches have faced over the last 40 years. I, I don't disagree. I, I think, um, that, Smith Smith has 26 scholarships, 25 scholarships, and they give out 36. And I, I know they're committed to trying to improve that number and also uh, improve the, according to Maurice, improve the facilities and and just, you know, try to try to make it all better. So we have to wait and see. I think it's. Uh, it's and, and, and I'm sorry if I'm off on the scholarship numbers. Oh, no. I mean, but I'm just going by what coaches, you know, that I know have told me. That you can't you can't run a football program with that few scholarships when the maximum is thirty six. Yeah, I know when they're close to it. Yeah, I know when I used to cover them, they had like nineteen, and it was like you know almost half of what everybody else was doing. So it's it's, it's a difficult run. All right, so we got my man Ned Hull in the building from uh, Charlotte Latin. Uh, Ned is here 
to beat down Randall in the game show. Randall got a win last week, which is just disgusting me. Uh, we were trying to keep him like Sam, keep him on the L side because he came back week one. He was down and came back at the end. Of one. But now, Dad, tell us about uh, Latin and, and you know how you guys are doing this year. You guys are off to a really, really good start. Uh, yes, sir, we are. We um we've played a lot more away games. Than we have home games. We've played only four home games, I believe, right now. We got a lot of good wins in November, December. Went down to Atlanta and had a really good tournament down there. Unfortunately, yeah. lost to the number one team in Tennessee. But we've and had a triple, really good wasn't it triple overtime? Triple overtime, yes, yeah. triple overtime. Tell me about the uh, Coach Berger because you know he always seems to be able to do the most with you know when you guys look at Latin on paper and you look at some of the other teams, it doesn't look like it should be an even match, but yet he wins every year. I mean, how, how does he do that? How are you guys able to be so successful? I mean, he really just gets all, all of us to buy in, and he's a He's a great coach. He, I mean, he loves coaching basketball, but he coaches more about life than he does basketball. I mean, he really expects the best out of all of us. Tell us something about Coach Berger. He wouldn't want anybody to know. Mm, wow. Um, he gives us a lot of credit. He thinks that he we're better shooters than he does. But. <laughs> Yeah, I think he thinks that he's still better shooter than all of us. I'm gonna tell you how old I am, Ned. I covered Coach when he was playing for Coach Faulkner at Charlotte, and he was uh, kind of like a Wojo type of player. He was a hustle king; he could shoot the lights out of it. But his big thing was to get into you on know, defense, and and he talked. Uh, he used to talk so much; he used to annoy me sitting there covering the game. He was always yeah. talking. Rather, tell us about Mister Ho. Uh, it was funny. I was thinking about that earlier today, like. He's in the conversation of one of the best shooters that I've ever had the pleasure of working with. And for those people that know, like, that's pretty high praise. Yeah, um, You know, I don't think anybody, you know, a couple of years ago would have saw, you know, what he's doing right now. But he works his tail off. He's always in the gym, whether it be with me or just at Latin getting getting work in by himself. Uh, you know, he's one of those guys that likes to work when nobody's looking. So, the success that he's having this year is not a surprise to me or to a lot of other people that know him. Alex. Yeah, though, thank you for being here and congratulations on how this season is going for the Hawks. So I just wanted to ask you that, all right, so the CISAA historically is one of the most competitive leagues in the state. And everyone talks a lot about this notion of home court advantage. The, CS, the CISAA has some of the most beautiful facilities of any conference in the state. So given that you've played in all the CISAA venues, what is it about the Belk Student Activity Center, which has hosted state finals time and again, has hosted many, many big games over the years. What is it about the Belk Student Activity Center that gives the Hawks a certain advantage or a certain mystique, a certain aura relative to everywhere else in the league? Well, I think it's really just like our student body. We all like love to support each other. Like even in football games, we'll all be there. And we really like love like cheering for each other. We would rather cheer for like us, I mean, over anybody. And we want to beat everybody in the conference. And we have a really great conference this year. Like every, every night's a hard in and out game. It's going to be like, very hard season but we like we like accepting the challenge and we like playing at home even though coach Burr loves playing away going to places but we haven't played a lot of home games yet so we haven't really felt a lot of that i thought the answer was you guys tighten the rim on the opposite side and in <laughs> halftime you loosen that rim and tighten the other one <laughs> I, I don't know. 
<laughs> All right, Alex, we're gonna let you go, and we're gonna let Ned step into the uh, the Thunderdome here. And, and uh, you have any last words, Randall, before this man knocks you out? Oh, this is this is gonna be another easy W right here. We're gonna move that record to two zero and one. What you say, Ned? Getting ahead of him. He's gonna have himself. Getting ahead of himself. That's why. That's why I like to hear Ned. I'm with you, man. Here we go. I'm Randall Clark. I am not Sam Griner. You will not beat me on the game show. All right. So it's uh, now, Ned. Because we had Chase Lowe here, and I have to instruct everybody, you have to let Gary read the question before you answer. You're up first, and then Randall will go, we'll go back and forth. But don't blurt out the answer, and if you know it in the middle of the question, wait. Don't give him any clues that you know it. Okay. We're going to let uh, Gary go first with question number one. Here we go. All right. Over the past 143 years, the average snowfall in Charlotte per year is what? A, 5.5 inches per season. B, 3.5 inches per season, C, 2.6 inches per season, and D, 7 inches per season. All right, Ned, talk to me. Let me, let, let me hear that Latin education. I'm going to go with B. B, 3.5. Randall. We haven't gotten snow in a couple years, so I'm going to go with C, 2.6 inches. 2.6 is almost right. The answer is actually 5.5 for the past oh, wow. 443 years, but in the past 10, 2.6 is right. But in this case, neither one of you. Uh, so we are we are zero and zero. <coughs> I asked Kamani that question last night. He stumped out too. So don't forget. that. That was that was a tough one because you, you tend to go by 10 years. Yeah. Uh, I, I wasn't even around 143 years. Ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chelsea, here we go. She's written hits for Rihanna and Ariana Grande and is now singing one of her own, Hers and Hers. Who is she? A, Ashanti. B, Mooney Long. C, Saweetie. D, Chloe Bailey. Randall. D, Chloe Bailey. D, Chloe Bailey. Man, what you got? I'm asking you a D, Chloe D, Bailey. D, Chloe Bailey. The answer is B, Mooney Long. Oh. So we, we are, so we are still, answer too. Nobody, nobody scratched. Nobody scratch. All right, Ned, you got to get this next question. And you're you're up first after uh, Gary reads it. Let's go. All right. You might know this one. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Anthony Morrow is the greatest Charlotte Latin player ever. Which NBA team did Morrow not play for? A, the Golden State Warriors. B, the New Jersey Nets. C, Charlotte Hornets. And D, the Atlanta Hawks. Ned. I don't think he ever played for Charlotte. All right, Randall. See the Hornets. That's correct. Yes, uh, he played. He played for the Warriors, Nets, Hawks, Mavs, and Pelicans, Thunder, and Bulls. After coming out as an unsigned free agent, two thousand eight NBA draft, he had a phenomenal summer league. He was dropping like forty and stuff in the summer league. So, one of my all-time favorite guys I've, I've ever covered. Anthony oh Martin. man, he is. I, 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 that's my. Did guy. he not play for the Bobcats one year? Nah, he didn't. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I'm losing my, my question. My question. Right, here we go. Chelsea's up. Per its website, Charlotte Latin has produced three All-State players, Randy Johnson and Rusty Regal. Made it two times each. Who was the other player? A, Richard Brown. 
B, Daniel Jones, C, Bates Jones, or D, Graham Calton? So you, Ned? No, it's on Randall. It's on Ned. You were right. Ned. Okay, Ned, it's on you. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm about to go with Bates Jones. Bates Jones. What you got, Randall? I'm going to go with Bates' brother. Oh, hold on. No, no. I'm going to go with Graham. I'll go with Graham. That's the correct answer. Are you almost trying to lead this? Yeah, I'll go with Graham. Graham Mr. Carlton, get it done for me. All right. So we're going to our last question. Randall's up two to one. So yes, Ned, sir. Ned, you know what you got to do. You got to yeah. come through on this last question. All right. Here we go. And I got, and since Ned, hold on, since Ned, since you're a shooter, I came up with a shooting question for you. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> here we go. Oh, he ain't going to get this one. He not going to get this one. Randall's trying to talk him out of his answer. Go ahead, Gary. All right. Which Division I star leads the nation in most three-pointers made this season? Max Abmus, Oral Roberts, Darius McGee, Liberty, Alex Hunter, Furman, or Jalen Cohn, Northern Arizona? So, Randall, you first. Oh, perfect. B, Darius McGee. There's McGee. Randall's very confident. That's how it would be. <laughs> that's, the, that's the correct answer. Darius, ah! Darius has made 79 out of 194 through Friday. He once led North Carolina in, in scoring in high school. He's yes, a scoring machine. He's a scoring machine. So Randall gets the dub somehow. Another one. I told you. <laughs> I told you. Man, man, Two, I, was, zero, man I was counting on you, man. I was counting on you. <laughs> uh. You're going to have to find somebody that can beat me. It's, it's a tough job. Somebody got to yeah. do it. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But, man, man, thanks for coming on. Best of luck to you guys, except for that one game. But best of luck to you guys. Thanks for you. having me. All right, man. Take care, Zo. You too. Later, Ned. Later, Randy. All right, just for all you short Latin viewers, I was half kidding. <laughs> You're going to get emailed about that, too. Oh, that's all right. Uh, yeah. All right, it's time. It's time for Chelsea's world. Let me, me and uh, Randall gonna get out of here. Alex, take it away. And here we are with the one and only Chelsea Simple, one of the biggest stars at 5500 Dixon Drive. That's the address of Sanderson High School. One of the biggest stars at Sanderson since Sanderson Athletics Director David Neal was at the school. Hey, David's my guy, but hey, we got the real Sanderson star right here. Chelsea, how you doing today? Good. So this week I interviewed someone within my conference of the Cap Six. You know, I've been able to watch this player play in the past few seasons. And not only with watching him play, I've seen his program kind of, you know, transition from, I guess you could say, like one of the weaker teams within the conference to one of the more dominant, you know, especially with their new head coach, you know, Pooby Chapman, who's been, I want to say this is his fourth year now. So with that being said, I interviewed Josh Laney, who's a senior from the from Enlo High School. So this week I'm interviewing class of 2022 senior Josh Laney from Enlo Men's Basketball. So Josh, I'm gonna start off by discussing conference play. You guys have played three games so far. Just kind of discuss how that's been going, you know, up to this past game against Sanderson. And what can we really expect from Enlo in this cap six? Well, um, we're sitting at two and one in conference right now. 
Uh, we just came off a tough loss against Sanderson, uh, lost in overtime. But, uh, you know, conference play is conference play. Um, all the games are going to be grittier, more um, tough, tough fought battles than, you know, non-conference games because it means more. Um, these games are games to get into the playoffs and, you know, seeding and all that. We get home advantage, all that extra stuff. So um, all these games, it should mean more to us. Um, and they're going to be tougher, tougher to win. But um, as far as in low, you know, our, our thing is before every game, it's a chance to go one and no. So um, we're not thinking about, you know, our record or what we've done in the past. Um, every night is it's a new night to go one and no. We have a, a 12 o'clock rule where um, every single game, after every game, whatever happened that game, whether we win, lose, um, it's over with by 12 o'clock, you know, on to the next. So um, in conference play, we're just looking at winning conference, of course, and uh, make this playoff push. I like that. So Josh, you're a senior, just kind of talk about, you know, your past few years with this program and just your progress that you've made, you know, playing basketball at Enlo. Well, um, Enlo, um, my sophomore year, uh, it wasn't toted as the program that everybody was going to. It was toted as the program that people were leaving. Um, you know, I stuck it out. Um, sophomore year, I, you know, I was playing, I was in the six, seven minute role. Uh, get starting to get that experience of what it was like to play, um, play at a higher level than JV, more fast paced, getting used to. Um, and then my junior year, um, COVID hit, so it was no off season. We were outside running hills, playing outside on basketball courts, um, and then we ended up going two and ten. And then this senior year, you know, we're sitting at nine and four, I think. Um, but we're turning everything around. So um, just from my sophomore year to my senior year, it's just been growth. Um, I don't think I would do anything differently. I think I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Um, I think I'm exactly where everybody's supposed to be um, as a team, as a program. Um, I'm just trying to do my part to get Enlo back to the prestigious program. Um, you know, by working and winning games. And, you know, that's all you can do, you know. Um, the best is to come. Uh, we got a lot of young guys, a lot of guys now that are helping, like, our our quote unquote big, I don't think he's a big, you know, best receiver in the state to me, you know, um, Isaiah Jacobs. Uh, we got this young guy, Gift Moses. He's, um, he's developing, you know, but we got a lot of talent at Enlo. It's just, you know, with all, with all the hoorah about public schools versus private schools, um, you know, we're not getting as much looks as we want, but uh, with all the work I put in, I'm trying to help, help get Enlo back to what it once was. So um, just from sophomore year to now, um, my biggest thing is growth, you know, just keep growing and getting better day by day. For sure. And you've touched on this a bit with, you know, talking about the younger guys, but being a senior, just really talk about that leadership role that you've taken on. Um, the leadership role, um, it kind of fell into my lap. Um, you know, when you were younger, you always, um, you always thought about being a leader on your team and um, telling your guys what to do or telling them what they need to do. But um, the leadership role kind of fell into my lap. Um, when I was a sophomore, um, my point guard, um, he, he, was, he was a leader, but you know, it was still more stuff that I felt like I could do. So um, falling under my coach's wing, he taught me the ropes of how he was a leader. And um, so I kind of blossomed into that role. And so now as a leader, I'm trying to, you know, stay on guys about whether it's in the classroom, getting their work submitted on time, or, you know, touching the line on a sprint. Um, so with the, the leadership role, it's, it's really, it's a lot on your shoulders, but at the same time, it's, it's the weight you want to have on your shoulders. 
because um, my thing is I'd rather have them, you know, looking up to me because, you know, I trust myself. And um, instead of looking at other bad outlets or something that could or could not be. But um, I think the leadership role is a, it's a role that I've grown into and it's a role that I'm willing to accept and face whatever comes with it. I like that. And just kind of talk about, you know, the culture you guys implement in low basketball, you know, some things you guys really work on in practices that, you know, translate onto success on the court. Um, the culture at Enlo, it's a strong culture. Um, you know, we've had a lot of greats come out of Enlo from PJ Tucker to Bill Moten to uh, our coach, Emmanuel Chapman. Um, so the culture has already been built. Um, you know, the past couple of years, we've been trying to get it back up to what it once was, like I said earlier. But um, in practice, you know, what we've really focused on is the small things. Um, so whether that's at the end of practice, when we, um, it's 12 guys in practice, we have to make 11 out of 12 free throws, so to say. Um, we can have a good practice, but if we miss that, miss that 11 for 12 mark, um, you know, that good practice goes, goes to shambles. So um, our thing is really focusing on the little things because that's what really wins games, whether that's diving on 50-50 balls or grabbing that rebound to secure the game. Um, so all those small things that, that we focus on in practice lead to the games because the small things are what wins the games, you know, the 30 point games and the wins by 50, those are all what's broadcasted. But we know um, in those closer games, that's the small things are what wins the game. So that's what we try to focus on. For sure. And adding on to the culture, you know, I want to ask you about your coach, Coach Chapman, just kind of talk about his role in building up the program your relationship between, you know, being a senior player and him as your coach? Well, uh, you know, Coach, he's done a lot for the program, uh, whether that was playing uh, and coaching. So um, this is his fourth year coaching and my fourth year at the school. So um, when he first came um, to the school, it was, I remember my first day ever seeing him. Um, <clears throat> so, um, the first day we were at tryouts and um, he comes in the gym and, you know, everybody was kind of lackadaisical, but um, he got in there and that was the end of that. So, um, you know, coach, me and him, I formed a strong connection, um, you know, being that it's his, I'm his one of his first four year players. So um, being able for, to grow from my freshman to my senior year, um, we've built a tight connection. So, um, you know, him, what he's done for this program is um, more than what words can say. So um, him, what he pours into the program and what he's helped us do, um, helped us accomplish doesn't go unnoticed. But um, as far as me and him, our connection, um, he's like a big brother to me. Um, he's shown me the ropes uh, of coaching, of basketball, really anything, you know, if I, if I need help with a girl, I can go ask him, you know, so, um, that connection, it helps us be better on the court because, you know, some coaches can yell at you and it's like, oh, what's, what's up? But with me and him, it's like, okay, I got you. It's just the way we communicate, which helps us play better and helps me lead my teammates, you know? So that was Josh Laney. And for other athletes who, you know, want this exposure on News and Observer and Talking Preps NC, you can reach out to me. My Twitter is at Chelsea Siffle. So is my Instagram, so just please reach out to me, and I'd love to set up an interview where we can get that exposure. Chelsea, that's a, that's a great job. Um, I'm, I'm happy that the current coach 
has taught the present day players the history of MLO. Yeah. Uh, Alex has often mentioned they have a rich history and not only have, did they put PJ Tucker in the NBA, but before him, uh, the head coach of the Atlanta Hawks right now, Nate McMillan, is an NLO graduate, as well as uh, Danny Young, who played at Wake Forest and, and uh, Seattle's and Portland Trailblazers in the NBA. So they have a rich history at NLO, and hopefully he can continue that rich tradition of, of outstanding players coming out of NLO. I'd like to add to that very quickly. Uh, in addition to the individuals that Gary just mentioned, uh, Randy Denton from the 1960s, who was an ACC player at Duke. And I'd also like to point out that among the highlights of uh, our interview right here is if you listen to what Josh said, Josh spoke in a manner befitting the very best of what it means to be an in-low eagle transcending time and space in terms of the vitality of holding his teammates accountable academically and athletically. Those are the same lessons that have permeated Eagles basketball in word and deed for decades. And that legacy was proliferated for many, many years by Mr. Preston McLean, who is the uncle of Gary Richmond and responsible for Coach Richmond's <laughs> formation as well. So he always uh, circles it back to that somehow. <laughs> so, so so for Josh to mention that just shows how what it means to be the very best at Enlo transcends time and space, just like Coach McLean's legacy transcended not only the basketball court, but is as an SAT testing administrator at Enlo. So education-based athletics transcend time and space. Well done, Josh Laney. Absolutely. Well, Chelsea, thanks for coming on the show. You guys be sure to reach out to her. Uh, I'm going to put up her information on the screen again. Um, DM Chelsea Simple, IG and Twitter. You can be on, on your own interview. Everybody says, you know, I'm slept on, I'm slept on, I'm slept on. You don't have to be slept on. Just drop her a note because we'll put you in front of everybody in the state. That She's she's giving you the biggest audience in North Carolina. So make sure you hit up Chelsea. Chelsea, we'll see you next week, okay? Absolutely. See y'all. All right. Take, Take care. care, Chelsea. Great job. Great Chelsea. Simple, man. I bet she makes straight A's. Um, all right. So moving from one Raleigh graduate, we were talking about one Raleigh High School graduate to another. We got Jerron uh, Goodson on the show as we talked about. Uh, Leesville Road graduate, am I right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How'd you, so you moved from Wilmington to Raleigh as a kid? Uh, yeah, so my sophomore year, uh, my mom got a job with the, the new governor at the time. I believe it was Mike Easley. And uh, we moved from Wilmington to Raleigh, and I went to Leesville Road. Yep. Yeah, and then what happened after that? Where'd you go to college? Uh, Federal State. So I went oh, to Federal oh, State. Oh, we Absolutely. So you were talking about Coach Flowers, and uh, I know he came from my alma mater for a couple of years. He was the offensive coordinator yeah, there. And, yeah, uh, he set some I, records there. Some kids make sure we went conference. to a couple of championships with him. Yeah, so, yeah, he's, uh, he's he a should do a good job. He's a great coach. So, you, so tell us about you know you you get, you got a job in Charlotte, head coach of the JV at West Charlotte. You coached on the varsity on some really good teams. You know, yes, tell us you know what you learned during that run from Jacoby and his staff. Oh man, um, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. Um, at that point, I had never been a an, a, an assistant coach. Um, I got my start in Fayetteville uh, at Westover Middle School as a head coach, then moved up to JV as a head coach and varsity as a head coach. So I had never been an assistant coach. And uh, working with Jacoby, um, I became more task oriented, yeah. uh, I would say. Um, and and just he he has so much detail, so much detail, and 
Um, what he always preaches is family and loyalty. And, you know, a kid doesn't care what you know until they know how much you care. And uh, and, and he, he lives that to the, to the fullest. And um, so that's what those are the main things I think I learned from Jacoby. And uh, outside of the X's and O's, um, you know, just always being there for the kid and, um, and and preaching that family and that loyalty. And uh, you never know what somebody's going through. And I think Jacoby is, is one of those guys um, that kids can always come lean on and talk to. And I, uh, I aim to be that same guy. Yeah, very few of us get to go to, the, you know, one of our early head jobs at a powerhouse. You know, you kind of have to start out and build something to show people you can build something. And that's what you're trying to do at Hopewell. Right. You know, how, how tough is it the, the the coach there is such a strong league where you got teams going to state championships, winning state championships every year. I mean, you got North Meg, West Charlotte Chambers right. all in the same league. That's oh. There's no nice off. So th- that was part of the, the reason that I went to Hopewell because, uh, I mean, as a competitor and as a coach, um, you, you want to be at the highest level um, possible. And, um, you know, being at West Charlotte, I, I could look at Hopewell from the outside looking in and, they, you know, they had some great athletes come through and some some good teams, um, actually. And they I think they, they might have beat us every year at least one time at West Charlotte, you know, no matter how good our team was. So they had some good athletes over there. And uh, But as a competitor, you want to compete at the highest level. And I, I don't think there's a, a tougher conference in the state. Um me personally, then uh, it's the Queen City Athletic Conference now, um, yeah. which was formerly the IMEC. But I don't think it's a tougher conference in in the in the state. Um, you can look at the Cap Six that on the other side, um, in the eastern part of the state. Mm-hmm. But um, but but that's what that's what you want. Um, and it's been it's been it's been a battle, but I, I think we're showing progress. And um, and you know we're just we're just attacking the day. We just want to win the day, and and eventually the the proof will be it will show. Coach, um, you have three really good sophomores, and the three sophomores, they can contribute 70% of the scoring. How do you convince them to, to let them know that you guys are on the verge of something special, especially in the Queen City Conference, which is, again, as you alluded to, is probably one of the toughest conferences in the state. You're always going to have, you know, North Mech, Chambers, or West Charlotte that will be able to compete for a state championship. Um, th- those guys are competitors. They're competitors. And uh, just as we have a preseason meeting, um, we're going to sit down at the end of the season. Um, we, we make a list of goals and we want to see, you know, how many of those goals we've reached, um, you know, and the progress um, throughout the season. I think uh, once we sit, once we do sit down and I was with those guys, um, they'll see, you know, the growth that they show from their freshman year to their sophomore year. Um, Julian Mack will be he would be the only guy that was with me last year. And uh, he didn't play much. He played varsity. He didn't play much. But this year, uh, I believe his, his stats have tripled. Um, he's, he's averaging, I believe, 10.4 points a game, along with, you know, a couple of rebounds, a couple of uh, assists where he wasn't averaging anything last year. And uh, Derek Ely and Quay Watson, both of those guys came over from Davidson Bay. Um, and and they, although they did play, I believe all of their stats have tripled as well. Um, I believe we 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 have uh, more coaches than he than he had knocking on his door at this time last year, and uh, and both of them on the AB honor roll. So we'll start there, and um and we'll work our way forward. And I always tell kids, I think I said at the beginning of the show, um you know one of the main things we want to do is keep our guys in our area. And th- both of those guys went to Bradley Middle School, which is right up the street. And uh, I could write I could write a documentary on how many guys came out of Bradley Middle School. Um, I, and I just found out this information, but how many guys that came out of Bradley Middle School and they didn't go to Hopewell? So um, we want to keep our guys in our area. And um, again, we'll sit down with those guys. And I believe 
they'll they'll recognize what we have uh what we're looking like going forward in the future and and our jv right now is uh is 11 and 2. so um the, the future could we, we really are on the brink of something special coach yes, congratulations on a great start uh, one of the big things that i've realized like with high school basketball right now is just being able to hold kids accountable and that accountability factor do you feel like there's a correspondence between your team's success and and you holding you know your players accountable into a certain standard. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I believe, uh, and it goes down with uh, with with film. So when we watch film and, and things like that, when we break it down, we don't always look at what we did, what we do wrong. We want to look at what we do right and uh, and try to improve on that as well. But um, the guys, the young guys, they've been thrown into the fire, and um, and they they. Even though they're young, and um, you know we're trying to grow throughout the season, uh, they, they've always been held accountable with their actions and, and the things that they do on the court. Um, Quay could have uh, seven assists, but we always want to talk about those four turnovers or um, the time that that Julian leaked out or the time that Darius didn't get, um, you know, ten rebounds. He's aiming for ten rebounds and he comes up short, um, or he, he allows two or three offensive rebounds. So. I definitely believe that accountability is a big part. Um, you have to hold them accountable. And, you know, only thing that's going to happen on the court is what you allow. So uh, if I allow them to do those things, um, if I allow them to do those things, then uh, we won't be very successful. Jay Ron, um, as you know, I used to coach at Hopewell. Yes, sir. And I, and I know that you can win at Hopewell. Um, prior when, when I got there, Eric Davis – had that team ranked in the top five for three years in a row. He's and, actually uh, my, uh, my first school. I went to Atlanta now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so I know you can win there. And one of the things you said is, is Bradley being a feeder school. And that's where I got most of my great players from when I was at Hopewell as well on the girl side. So <clears throat> recently Hopewell has been in the news for unfortunately bad things as far as student conduct. And how do you sell parents that Hopewell is not a bad school for their kids to attend when the news media says otherwise? Now, I, I still sub at Hopewell, and I know the kids aren't that bad. But, um, you know, you only hear about the bad things when it comes to the newscast. So how do you sell parents on coming to Hopewell when they watch the news and everything is not great? Um, Gary, that that is that is a great question, and um, and I honestly don't have um, the perfect answer for for any parent asking to send about sending their kid to Hopewell. But what I will say is, um, come to Hopewell. Um, the, we have great leadership. Our principal Tracy Pickett, she's doing an amazing job um, with with the circumstances she's been given. Um, and you know, you can't let two or three bad days over overweigh the the other. 180 good days. Um, like I said, we have great leadership. Um, if you look at, you know, test scores and and just come to Hopewell and and see how the guys, how the kids move around and and talk to some of the teachers and talk to some of the coaches and you'll see how much that how much they care about each student there. Um, and and it's not many places that you're going to find that 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 the community cares about their kids more than Hopewell. But uh, I, we have been in the news lately for some with some bad publicity. Again, I'm in the hallway every day. 
Um, and so, and so are you, I know, I know that they're not that bad and it's not a bad place to be. Um, but I would invite them to come out and just take a look and walk around and talk with some of the leadership and, uh, and, and see what we have going on. I hope will. Coach Goodson, two questions. Number one, you have the most unique perspective, whether as a student athlete or as a coach of having firsthand experience with four of North Carolina's largest local education agencies or LEAs or school systems, your time in New Hanover County Schools at Laney as a student athlete, your time at Leesville Road in Wake County Schools as a student athlete, your time as an educator coach at Cape Fear High School in Cumberland County Schools, and your time as an educator coach at West Charlotte and Hopewell High Schools in Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools. What would you say if you could name just one thing, one characteristic of the style of play. It could be physicality, it could be speed, it could be something else, something that coaches do that defines or gives a unique uh, presence to each of those areas of the state. That's my first question. And my second question is looking at your wonderful home decor uh, in tribute to your uh, fraternal relationship which Omega man on this panel sports royal purple the best? Would it be you or would it be Gary Richmond? Well, I'm, I'm going to answer your second question first. I'm going to answer your second question first. I'm going to definitely go with myself. Go with myself. But, but I, I've, seen, I've seen my teammate walking around the halls looking pretty uh, pretty fresh and some purple as well. Um, but I'm going to definitely have to go with myself, and that's just uh, the comment. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, uh, Alex, I can't get no love. Yeah, he ain't even talking about you. Yeah, he ain't talking about you. Well, that, 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 was in, that, that was in deference to the host of this program. Oh, okay. No no way. Way. But, no but that's that. to the first part of the question, Coach, about the physicality. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the first part of the question, um, um, moving from Wilmington to Raleigh when I did uh, in the middle of my high school um, career, um, one thing I would say is uh, the 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 saturation of talent for one. Um, there's so much talent in the Raleigh area, in the Raleigh Durham area. Um, those guys, you know, in Wilmington when I was in high school, a six four guy or a six five guy might have been, you know, your, your five guy. Um, and then I moved to Raleigh, and you know, our our shooting guard is six four, six five, and we have a six nine uh, and six ten Anthony Richardson, Anthony Richardson, who went to Florida State. Um, uh, and and Shawan Robinson, who's a six five, six four guard, uh, he's the coach at Panther Creek now, uh, who was our shooting guard at the time. So, uh, and then you get to Charlotte, and I think uh, those same things are happening. But it's, um, I think it's definitely more talent in the Charlotte area, even though you know the Charlotte area is bigger. But there's definitely more talent in Charlotte. Um, you have a lot more scorers. Those guys can score um, in Raleigh. Um, it's it's a more a slower paced game, a half court game. Um, a lot more sets are getting ran. Um, and, you know, you have some of those bigger rivalries, um, some bigger rivalries than you do in the Charlotte area because it is smaller. So, you know, uh, I think one of the best high school games I've ever been to would be um, where uh, Chelsea was talking about Enlo, P.J. Tucker versus Shavlik Randolph. Um, I think they both had about 40 points. And, you know, their gym probably only holds about 300 people, man. So it was wall to wall everywhere. I never saw a 6'10 kid do a reverse layup. He brought it all the way down the court, coast to coast, reverse layup with the offhand. Oh, it was just amazing. Um, 
So it, it, those are some differences between the three uh, school districts. But um, being in Charlotte, I do believe Charlotte has uh, has the most talent, definitely. All right. Well, that's uh, Coach Goodson, man. Thanks for coming on. Definitely, I mean, don't go, but we definitely want to have you kind of as a regular guest on the show. Grice, you know, told me I need to have you, so I trust Grice what he said. Grice yeah. in Florida, by the way. It's all nice and warm down there. I'm freezing here in these 20s. Right, right. You doing that 707? Yeah, doing 707. And he's posting pictures in the, on the beach and whatnot. And I'm like, Grice, I hate you, man. <laughs> it's freezing cold in Charlotte. All right, it's time for our North Carolina rankings. We got some big changes on the girls' side. We'll let Alex break it down on the back side. Alex. Did I put the wrong one on the screen? Did I put the wrong oh, one on the screen? Right. For everyone looking at this, yes, I did it. I moved an unranked team into – the number one position and you know why i did it because when you get the job done against a number one ranked undefeated team by 21 points and not only do you win by 21 but your first three quarters of the game you allow 16 points wait wait alex hold on so that means they got on d get on d <laughs> <laughs> When you Coach Gibson had no idea what we're talking about. Coach Gibson, all Alex ever talks about is get on D. If it's in football, basketball, Twinkies, is get on D. So, okay. Uh-huh. Coach Goodson knows what I'm talking about. There's a reason that he saw Patrick Williams go from senior drive to Florida State University because we all know that everybody who plays for Leonard Hamilton has to commit to playing defense. So Coach, Goodson, Coach Goodson knows what I'm talking about. Absolutely. But back to these rankings right here. You hold a previously undefeated number one ranked team to 16 points in the first three quarters. And I did my research. Everybody was there. There there was nothing impacted by this pandemic, which is unfortunate. That's good. When you get the job done like that, Josh Springer, I tip my hat to you. We all know that Josh Springer is one who has embraced the limelight. Well, coach, you got it. Can you hold it and stay there? But when you get it done like that, yes, you earn that distinction right you there. Know, it's funny. I saw Providence Day in a Christmas tournament. Obviously, I was with my son's team, and, and the girls come out wearing these shirts that say 17 times state champions on them, like 17. <laughs> That's incredible. That's incredible. And to, and to have the confidence to walk around with a shirt that says 17 time state champion. Because, Gary, wouldn't that make your girls just want to destroy them walking around with those shirts? On? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, when, when you're good, you don't you don't worry about the other team. You worry about yourself. You know, you, you play to a standard. Um, and if that other team that's looking to upset you is going to upset, then they have to get they have to reach your standard. And so, uh, you know, I know what it's like to, to be the big dog on on yeah. top and teams coming after you. It's fun that way. But I want to ask somebody on the panel, what did they do to stop Catholic? Randall, you know? Nothing. They played their <laughs> game. They played their game. Uh, it, it's, it's funny. Catholic went to go scout them on Friday night, and they played them on Monday. And sometimes as a high school kid, when you go watch your opponent, 
and your opponent doesn't play well, it's really easy to come into this game overconfident. Mm -hmm. And that's what they did. Josh Springer and his girls came in with a perfect game plan. They shot the lights out. They, they, they did. I feel like they didn't miss at all. And uh, for 32 minutes, they just executed his game plan perfectly. And they were up 20 and it wasn't a like, Oh, we made free throws at the end. Mm -hmm. You know, it was tough. No, they ran away with that one early and just coasted to a victory. Yeah, Coach Gibson, you were a baby when this happened, but Mike Tyson was the best boxer on the planet. And, you know, he he was going to fight Buster Douglas, and Buster Douglas was kind of seen as a bum. And he did, went overseas, didn't train, partied all the time, and got knocked out. So, I mean, what Randall says is very true. Right. You got you to take I, all your – I, like I would like to ask the panel this. Um, yeah. This week we had three games – postponed because of either COVID or weather. And there are a lot of teams that haven't played a game in over 10 days. How do, you all think that's, how do you all think that's going to affect the remainder of the season? Because now just about every school is looking to play three or four games a week. Well, the perfect person to ask the question is the coach on the panel. Let's go, Coach Gibson. Yeah, so we haven't played a game since uh, the 15th, and we won't play again until Tuesday. So – um, we've, we've just been having, uh, zoom calls and all we worried about is the next one, the next one. So we don't win this one. Uh, it's no need to even play the one on Friday, but we've been focused on our, our very next one and, um, and just having zoom calls and, and watching film over, over, uh, over time. But as you said, um, some, some guys did have games canceled. We didn't have any canceled or postponed. We just didn't schedule any that week because of exams. Um, but uh, a lot of guys did have games canceled, and I, I wonder how it's going to come into play if they don't get to make those up um, when it's when it's come, when it comes time for playoff seating. But uh, you know, we're just staying prepared, getting ready for the next one. That's all we're worried about. And, and you know, Coach, you mentioned that you all didn't have any games scheduled, right. but because you may play teams um, that are on your schedule and they have to make them up, that may force you still to play three games. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. think that's fair? Um, me, per as, as a coach and, again, as a competitor, I mean, I'm not worried about fair. Um, if, if we have to play, we're going to go play. Um, we have three games next week. We have uh, Mallet Creek Tuesday, um, Olympic. Olympic Wednesday, and then West Charlotte on Friday. So that's three tough games. Um, yeah. And, you know, we're, we're going to go play. We're prepared. But, again, all we're worried about is the next one. And uh, but as a competitor, man, we're gonna go play whoever's up. Uh, if, if we could play a game every day of the week, Gary, uh, man, we would, you know, we would. Coach, um, yeah, and, and I know kids would rather play games than practice, anyway. yeah, uh, oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Coach, don't we make too big a deal out of playing three games in a week? You coach, you coach travel ball, I mean, travel ball, yeah. play three games in a day. Yeah, I'm, I, like I said, I, I would I would play every day if we could. Like I said, if we ha if that's what we had to do to get our games in, I would. I wouldn't make any quarrels about it. Um, but I look forward to, you know, the challenge. Luckily, we don't have any more games to make up. And uh, the one on Wednesday will be our last makeup game. But there are going to be some teams that have two or three games to make up. So um, that would be interesting if they allowed them to play more than three in a week. All right. Coach uh, Lewis, let's talk about the boys' rankings. Got some changes here, too? Um, we just had a few changes um, in the in the top twenty. Um, Julius Chambers beating Carmel on the road last week, you know, jumped up to number three. Um, but pretty much um, not a lot of change. Um, the thing that I'm excited about this coming week is there's a marquee game Tuesday night. The Burlington School, who's ranked number four, 
and just played Link Academy, which was the number one ranked team in the, in the country, mm. um, to a very close game. And um, they played – Trey, Trey Green plays on that team, right? Pardon me? Trey, Trey Green, Green, correct. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so they play at um, Carmel Tuesday night, which should be a really a marquee game between two of the top teams um, in the state. And then the other marquee game this week will be um, – for a um, Audrey Kale going against Myers Park at 19 and 20. Um, that will be at Myers Park. Um, both of them are four and one in the South Neck 4A. I think Randall trains every player on both of those teams, by the way. <laughs> That'll be the Randall Clark boat. Coach Kissing, what do you think about when you see this this uh, this list? Do we do we have it right? Is somebody we missing? Um, one one team I do see on the list is uh, New Hanover. You have at number ten. Um, those guys are going to be very dangerous in the four A conference, coming from the east east side of the state. Um, also Central Cabarrus. I've had the opportunity to play those guys a couple times over the fall and the spring. Mm -hmm. Um, in fall leagues, uh, they are a very gritty bunch. Uh, they they play very good basketball. I believe they're still undefeated, and they might be beating teams by an average of maybe 20, 25 points. That, um, that uh, they're, they're definitely going to be uh, somebody to watch in the 3A. Um, but but it looks like looks like you have some some good teams in there. We got an opportunity to play Jordan as well, who's a good team. But uh, that new Hanover team, definitely watch out for those guys in the 4A. Watch out for new Hanover. Right? You, you heard it here. All right, um, we're going to go to our Mr. and Ms. basketball updates now. We got the same list, Alex. Is the list ever going to change? <laughs> Probably not. It's a testament to the quality depth, particularly among younger student athletes. If you look at 23 and 24, the classes of 23 and 24 particularly, it's just – they both are just loaded. Yeah, that 24 class is ridiculous. It's, it's, it's going to be very difficult. Top 20 players. Yeah, so – uh, it's it's one of those situations where it's a testament to these young ladies' prowess. So there's nobody, there's nobody, on like on your, there's nobody on your bubble list that, that might move in. Well, well, you're dealing with the chasm that exists between an elite list, mm. and you have a chasm, and then you have a super good list okay so, so one so once again it's it's not a slight to anyone it's how elite these young ladies are well i know there's some changes coming soon because we're going to cut down the list we got to go to 12 pretty soon so so the 40s 40s names going i to think i think also like we we like we said earlier in the show like we just haven't got to play a lot of games and I, yeah. think, I think that's kind of you know we didn't get a lot of basketball this week so i think that's why why the list looks the same. Uh, I think there's a few kids that are knocking on that door. So hopefully we get all our games in this week and we can really look at it. Yeah, I would think there's got to be somebody out there that, that's having a phenomenal season. Well, I mean, Mia, Mia Zares, who was on the show last week at Myers Park, she had a great week. Yeah, and they're um, winning too. You know, if she has another week like she did the week before last, like she, she, she'll probably be at it. All right, Rick, same story on the boys' side. We got all the same names. Is it the same deal? We're just not playing enough games? Or is this list just too good? Just haven't played enough games. The only one that I could really think about that we could add to the bubble list, and if you think of the Kay Tyson of Carmel, mm. there's a player that's committed to UNC Wilmington, Noah Ross, who's the same size at 6'7", 
who's averaging right at a double-double. And, you know, they're ranked, um, I think, number 14th in our statewide poll. Um, but, again, you know, not enough games to really um, move the needle. All right. Um, just real quick, I mean, Mikey Williams is a name that's not on the list. Can you kind of explain to people why you're not including Mikey and those guys on your on your, uh, on your your Mr. Basketball watch list? Um, good question. The reason why we didn't do it was basically this was more geared toward teams that could – it was a player that had a chance to lead their team to a state championship. And, and, and if you look at Vertical Academy, they play the majority of their games outside the state of North Carolina. Mm. Uh, Coach Goodson, you know, fresh eyes, what do you see on this list? Is um, there somebody we're missing? I, I, I would add uh, the Simpkins twin from uh, Liberty Heights, who's having an, an amazing year. Um, I believe it's Tawan Simpkins. He's having an amazing year. Um, from Liberty Heights varsity um, and yeah. those guys, you know, they, they preach that one team, uh, well, two teams, one program, right, right, but, uh, but uh, he, the varsity is having a, a stellar year as the, the national team is. And I would add him as well, but yeah. Freddie, Freddie DeLeon is, uh, I think he's on another level. He's on a mission and uh, it's going to be tough to knock him off that top spot. Oh, all right. We are, we already give it away a little bit to Freddie DeLeon. But we have we have Freddie DeLeon ranked number one in our um, 2023 ranking statewide. So he's a player that's almost averaging a triple-double. He's putting up phenomenal numbers. Um, yeah. And I've often said this, he may be the most complete player in the state of North Carolina. Wow. Coach Goodson, do you look at Mr. Basketball as the most valuable player to his team or just the best player in the state? Um, I would look. I would say the best player. Um, I think uh, value in a team sport um, is kind of hard to gauge, especially in in high school basketball. Um, but I would look as as the the best player, um, the best player to the team that's having the best success. Um, mm-hmm. And I believe Word of God has has knocked off some some giants so far. And uh, I think Freddie is, is leading that charge. And Alex, you had a player you wanted to mention from Northwood. Yes, Drake Powell of Northwood will have the Chargers right back in the hunt to return out of the 3A East, uh, be in contention for a 3A state final berth. Again, uh, Mm 6'5", sophomore wing, who is very, very skilled, uh, gets to the basket well, shoots the ball well, and has done a great job transitioning into that clear number one lead role per the transfer of Jaron Stevenson to the new Seaforth High School in Chatham County. But it's been a seamless transition for um, Mr. Powell and Northwood with the supporting cast that it has will be in position to compete for another championship. Look at it kind of like the transition that the Lakers went through when the commitment, when uh, Shaq got a little older and the commitment was made to rebuild around Kobe Bryant. That's kind of what. That's not exactly how that happened, but okay. But that, that's, I mean, that's, exactly, that's exactly how that happened. Not, not, we, we know that there were other dynamics. That's exactly how it happened. That's not how Randall's, Randall's the biggest Kobe fan in the world. That's not how that happened. But that type of dynamic in shifting from a, a, a big man to a wing type, yeah. and that wing type assuming the lead role, yeah. uh, Drake Powell's done a great job. Right. I would agree with you. 
Well, it is time for the uh, highlight of the show. Uh, Coach Goodson says Isaiah Evans from North Mac as well. Sophomore is killing it. Isaiah Evans he is. is getting power five offense. He's looking really, really good. Dwayne always seems to have somebody next. You know, every time you think that you know the, the cupboard is empty, there's always somebody coming next. I don't know. What I, it is. I, I told you I could, I could write a documentary on kids from Bradley. <laughs> oh, <here we> go. <laughs> Coach Lewis, that's Coach Goodson talking. Not me. <laughs> Your friends, your friends. Uh, yeah, I was, I was just talking about Bradley Middle School and the talent they have, man. That's all. all good. All good. It's time for the highlight of the show. It's time for Coach versus Coach. So me and Rick and Coach Goodson will get away and let Alex say. All right. Once again, I am surrounded by greatness. Twofold. Always privileged each week to do this. All right. Let's have our coin flip here. Uh, Coach Richmond, you make the call. I'll receive. Oh, heads. <laughs> heads it is. What's your choice? Yeah, I'll go first. All right. All right. Coach Richmond. The State Board of Education and NCHSAA joining forces, essentially. So is this going to yield some new outcomes? Will the NCHSAA, when all is said and done, effectively continue what it's doing? Should we be concerned about something? What do you think? I think we should be concerned. I, I think the NCH. SA has always done a great job. Sure, they could tweak a few things, but when you talk about the, the State Board of Education, who was appointed probably by the legislature, and that's going to go along political lines, then you're going to have mess because it's going to yeah. start becoming political. We had people from the legislature speak to us about why they were concerned about the, the NCHSAA this summer, and we know from some of the statements they made, this is all political. And yep. politics getting involved in sports can only muddy the water. So I don't think anything good is going to come of it. Randall? I know I agree 100% with Coach Richmond. I think, unfortunately, they're, they're creating a gray area. And at some point, it's going to rear its ugly head. And I, I agree that the NCHSAA have been doing a great job. Like Obviously, there's always things that we can work on and get better at. But I think this merger is going to cause more headaches than, than than a lot of people are expecting. I told you I was surrounded by greatness. I can't say anything better one, than what those two gentlemen just said. Moving right along, your star player has two first-half fouls. You take him or her out. Uh, Randall, you start us. We're going to take you out for a little bit. We're going to have a conversation. But I'm going to put you back in and trust that you understand the game of basketball. And you know that if you pick up number three, you're done for the half. Uh, every player is not the same, but overall, when it's my star player, that that's how I'm approaching it. Gary? Uh, kind of along the lines of what Randall said, you have to know your player. Um, sometimes it may be a role player that picks up two fouls who you can afford to leave in the game. Sometimes it's your star player. It depends on the score of the game. Are you falling behind? Do you have enough? of a lead that you can sit that player with two fouls. So it's, it's a whole lot of variables in there, but the one variable that it doesn't matter to me 
with a minute and a half to two minutes left in the half, whomever that player is with two fouls, I'm going to sit them the rest of the half so that they can come back out with two fouls in the third quarter. Uh, I don't want a player at halftime with three fouls, but I'll consider all the variables. But once I hit that two minute mark or a minute and a half left in, in the second quarter, they're coming, they're coming out regardless of the other variables. I'll chime in quickly on that and follow up on the good words of these two gentlemen. There is a circumstance when I would take my star player out of the game with two first half fouls. If it's a close game and I'm the coach of a team who's told that my star player has four fouls when he actually only has two, then I might take him out of the game. Anybody remember the 1998 Western Regional Final, West Charlotte and Morganton Freedom? When Gosnell White was told that Jason Parker had four fouls when he only had two. Oh, did I say that? I'm sorry. West Charlotte <laughs> lost the game by two. But we won't lament that three-pointer Marcus Oliver hit at the buzzer that was called a two. But, yeah, I'll take him out of the game when he has two fouls, but I'm told he has four. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say that? Uh, moving right along. <laughs> Should the NCAA expand the men's basketball tournament to 72 teams? We went to 64 in 85, and there were 282 Division I schools at that point. So now we have 350 Division I schools. Is it time to expand to 72 teams? Gary? No. They're not 68 good teams. <laughs> you know, so why would you go to 72? I mean, they always come about who's on the bubble, who's the last four in, last four out. Technically, all of them should be out because they're not that good. I guarantee you they got double-digit losses those last four in, last four out. So 68 is more than enough. We do not need to clutter it with more bad teams. I, I agree wholeheartedly. I'm not even a fan of the 68, even though, you know, the, the playing games are fun on Tuesday nights to get us ready for the big dance on Thursday. I leave it alone, let it be what it be, because like Coach Richmond said, there aren't 68 teams that are good enough to be in it anyway. 64 was the perfect number. I only got one question. If the tournament expands to 72 teams, we're at 68 now. If we go to 72, then we obviously will need another first four venue. I still haven't quite figured out how Dayton earned the annual honor of hosting the first four. Oh, I'd like, I'd Alex, like to know. Alex, I'd like Alex, to know listen, who would get the second one. Alex, me and you can take a road trip back to my hometown. I'll take you to Dayton. We'll go get us some Milano's pizza. And then we'll go over to the arena and you'll be like, you'll walk into UD arena and wonder why all these people are here for this random game on a Tuesday night. It's one of the best places to, to go for a college basketball game. And, and they get it because people in Dayton love basketball. So even if their team's not in it, they go fill it up. Sound like the Arby's classic of college basketball. Up there. <laughs> <laughs> no matter who's playing the Arby's classic, that thing is packed to the gills. No, they have no idea who they're watching. just packed to the gills. Coach Gustin, I want to hear what you had to say. Your, your star player has two first half fouls. You take him or her out. Quay Watts has got two. You taking him out? Um, no, and uh, and I'll tell you, <laughs> I'm going to say no, and I'll tell you, but first of all, he's not going to want to come out, and uh, and I trust him enough, um, to play solid defense. Now, if he does get that third, and, and it does depend on if it's the first quarter, second quarter, how much time is left, um, whether we're up by how many points or down. If I if I feel like I can rest him, then I will, um, but probably not. I'm going to trust my guy to be the guy and uh, and lead us on defense, on defensive end, and uh, 
and, you know, just affect the game in other ways. What I've noticed is that the two foul rule applies to everybody but the star player. When the star player gets two fouls, like you know, uh, it's some school, it's some schools where it applies to everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, well, actually, is, is that your favorite school, school Rambo, yeah. Providence Road? Is that your favorite? School? <laughs> is that the one? Uh, that is not the one. He actually, he actually had somebody with two fouls the other night. And, and kept playing them. I was I, I was pleasantly surprised. Right. <laughs> I actually, I back in the day, in 1998, when Kansas with Danny and the Miracles went on that NCAA championship yeah. run, Larry Brown effectively had a one foul rule in the first half for Manning. That's how he managed him with the flow of the game. Now Manning picked up a second foul in the national final against Oklahoma, but the prevailing the prevailing practice for Kansas that year was Danny Manning got one foul in the first half to uh, manage the game. Now Langston, we gotta we gotta ask you, yeah. since uh, I spoke about that 1998 game, uh, what would you have done with Parker? What'd you think of my uh, rationale? I mean, they had to take him out because they were told he had, I think they were told he had three fouls, but they had to take him out. But I mean, it was it was just terrible that. You know, he, he missed more than half of the game when he really could have played the whole game. It wouldn't have been a two-point game uh, had he played the entire game. But, you know, they, they won the state championship the next year and had, you know, one of the two or three best teams I've ever seen. Uh, the 99 Keith Matkins wasn't on that team. No, he wasn't. But the, that 99 West Shore team was one of the best I've ever seen. They they dominated. Yeah. That, that state final was over from the time the, the ball was tipped. And, Jason Parker was sick with the flu. He had 38 and 12 or something. He was 38 points, 12 rebounds, 17 to 20. Jason Parker is one of the 10 best players I've ever seen in high school. Yeah, most dominant high school player I've ever seen. He was ranked number three in the world as an amateur. People, I mean, people forget that. You know, if we had this kind of one and done society like we do now, he would have been a 10 year pro. But it's just unfortunate, you know, it didn't work out for him because he was. I mean, it, it was a man among boys. I mean, I never yeah. seen Oak Hill double any local kids when they played. Local hey, kids. hey, y'all, y'all were talking about Bradley and and the North Met connection. Yeah, that that's one person that Dwayne lost. Well, his mom worked at West Charlotte, so yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah but he still was at North to begin. He was North with. as a freshman, that's correct. Yeah. Oh, we man. I remember I was in Wilmington at the time, and uh, they played Laney in that state championship in 1999, and uh, they they you know most teams run out when they come out for the uh, warmups. Yeah. Where Charlotte came walking out, and they had the, <laughs> the, the swag. I said, "Yeah, this game is over." When they yeah, came right. walking out, and you know yeah. they had the swag going on. Oh yeah, this game is over. Yeah, because it was over. It was over from the word go. <laughs> Ronald, Ronald Montgomery, the two the the two Laney big men were uh, Ronald yeah, Montgomery, who yeah. was a six seven junior. And the other reserve pivot man was Reggie Nero, who was a six six. How many dunks did Parker have in that game, Alex? I quit counting. Seven, eight. I quit counting. I mean, he was he was dunking so hard, like the goal would still be shaking while they're down the other end. I mean, it's like that had to be super intimidating. Nice. He was just he was a different level player. He's just one of those you know once in a generational type of players. And and Antoine Davis had just finished playing. And he was in Carolina being, you know, National Player of the Year. And I was thinking, this dude's the best high school player I've ever seen. It was, yeah. it was crazy how good he was. All right, it's time for the big star, the big show, to give us his final word. Hey, you season is among us, which means a lot of tournaments, a lot of games. Don't get lost in the game, though. Remember that even though your, your, your high school season is coming to an end, skill development is still one of the most important things. Even though you got AAU practice and AAU tournaments, you got to find time to put the work in. 
ball handling, shooting, watching film of yourself, working to get better, watching a lot of basketball in order to improve your IQ. Don't forget that even though you're in season, you still have to find time to improve yourself. And that's uh, Randall's uh, public service announcement for the sign up for his his, uh, his service. <laughs> OWEBasketball.com. <laughs> All right. I'm Langston. That's Randall, the best trainer I know. That's Gary, my frat brother and longtime host. That's Alex Bass, the contrarian. That's Coach Rick Lewis, the number one voice of high school basketball. I say it every week because I mean it. We have Chris Hughes, who's the number one voice of high school football. We got Rick in basketball. You guys are lucky. My, uh, we got uh, Coach Gustin from Hopewell on the show today, sporting his, his, uh, his shield behind him. And we are talking preps, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you.